This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon every single one of us and upon all those who are listening upon the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam during these blessed days of Ramadan wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has dictated mercy and forgiveness and freedom from hellfire. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creator, nourisher, cherisher, sustainer of one and all. وأصلي وأسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Blessings upon all the previous anbiya and prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings upon the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And upon all his followers, may Allah include us and our offspring as being from amongst them. Ameen. Honored ulama, beloved brothers and sisters, dearest listeners, as I had promised last night, inshallah today we will be looking at the most interesting story that brings tears to almost every eye or to everyone's eyes when they read the story. It is a story that appears in the Old Testament as well as the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given many stories in the Quran. He gives many parables, analogies, so many examples. And He says that the reason He gives the stories of the previous prophets is in order for us to extract lessons therefrom. The reason why He draws examples is because He would like us to engage our brains and to use our intellect in order to understand the comparison that He as the Creator is drawing. And we should understand whenever there is a comparison given by the Creator Himself, it is a flawless comparison. There can be nothing wrong with that particular similarity. It would fit in every single way that one can actually think of. So, today we have the story of one of the most handsome creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or one of the most handsome human beings. Joseph, may peace be upon him, or Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam. And we should all understand that he was such an honored prophet of Allah. That he was a messenger, a son of a messenger, a son of a messenger, a son of a messenger. Ibrahim, Abraham, may peace be upon him, alayhi salatu was salam, had a son known as Ishaq. He was also a prophet. Ishaq or Isaac, may peace be upon him, had a son known as Yaqub or Jacob, may peace be upon him as well. And Yaqub alayhi salatu was salam had Twelve sons, one of them was Joseph or Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam. This is such a high rank that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted such a person. Over and above that, I'd like everyone to listen to what was chosen by the Creator for such a lofty person, for such a high ranking person in the eyes of the Creator. And yet, what came in his life, if it is looked at with our own eyes of today, we would think there was difficulty upon difficulty upon difficulty in his life. But himself, he did not perceive it in that manner. He knew it was a gift. And inshallah we have in the next half an hour, 
certain lessons that we will draw from this particular story and I'm sure and I hope that everyone knows the story itself because I may not get time to go into the details of the story. To begin with, the story of the Qur'an is set within the house, within the home, where you have a father, you have a mother, and you have twelve sons. One of the sons, Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, saw a dream. When he saw a dream, he felt it was very strange. For our information, mostly dreams are connected to something we've been concerned about, something we've been thinking about, something that is in our subconscious, or something that really is bothering us. Mostly we would dream about such items. But when there is a dream that doesn't fit, or when there is a dream on a very blessed occasion, or at a very blessed moment like the last third of the night, and a person gets up with a totally different feeling, then that may just be a message for the person himself or herself. Remember the Qur'an is complete, the Sharia is complete. Allah does not need to show me something in order to explain a rule and a regulation to entire mankind. Because if that is the case, and I am not a Nabi, nor are you, nor is anyone right now, if that was the case, that means the Sharia is incomplete. Do we understand that? We are implying that the Sharia is incomplete if we feel that such and such a person saw a dream that was meant to be a Sharia, a Sharia ruling for the rest of the world. Let us go out and tell them that this is what should happen and that is what should not happen. That is an insult to the beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is implying that he did not fulfill his message. Nowhere did he say that people will have dreams to complete my message. So we should understand that as well. So Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam, when he saw this dream, it affected him. He didn't understand it. It was something strange. He saw the sun and the moon prostrating to him. And he saw the stars making sujood to him, worshipping him. Now, he spoke to his father immediately. He was a young boy, 11 years old, 12 years old according to the narrations, before his teens. And he told his father, Oh my father, يَا أَبَتِ إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ رَأَيْتُهُمْ لِسَاجِدِينَ Oh my dear father, I have seen in my dream eleven stars, the sun and the moon prostrate to me. Explain to me what is meant by this. What we learn, the first lesson is the relationship between father and son. How many of us are guilty of really being so distanced from our own children that if they had to see a dream, we would be the last people they ever thought of to even share the dream with. Look at how beautifully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that you also have such a relationship with your children, your sons, your daughters, that if they have something that concerns them, the first person they come to is you as a parent. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that lesson number one. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains how the father answered. The father knew that there is something special. He was a Nabi. In fact, he knew the interpretation to the extent that Allah wanted him to know. And he knew that whenever there is virtue, it can breed jealousy. Whenever a person has been granted wealth or knowledge or a higher rank, something more lofty than others, it breeds at times jealousy. 
even from one's own closest family members at times. Because shaitan definitely seizes the opportunity to sow seeds of discord within family members. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. So the father did not condemn the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam, but the father just gently reminded him and warned him to say, Oh my son, this is a very important dream. Do not inform others. Do not inform too many people. Don't inform your brothers, lest they may inflict harm upon you. What do we learn from this? When we see a strange dream, good or bad, a dream that really requires according to our own feeling, it requires interpretation. It is incorrect to go out and publicize it and to go out and speak to the whole world about it. Rather, we choose the people we'd like to ask regarding this dream. And once we have an interpretation, inshallah, we should not become so depressed about an interpretation that may not go according to our own desires and tastes. Rather, take out a sadaqah, take out a charity, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, safeguard me from ill and evil. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So, the father says, Ya bunayya la taqsus ru'iyaka ala ikhwatika fayakidu laka kaida. The father immediately says, Oh my son, do not tell this dream to your own brothers. If he was not meant to tell it to his own brothers, it means those who are more distant, it is even more important for him to stay away from telling them. And he mentioned immediately that your brothers might plan and plot against you. So Allah had inspired him and informed him that the son is going to be very very high and Allah will raise him higher than the others. Now let us move to the second part. Going to the brothers themselves, they noticed very handsome young boy, very intelligent, very loved by his parents, very good looking, everything that you can think of that is positive, the young boy was blessed with by the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the brothers looked at him with envy and they planned because they felt that the parent or the parents are being closer to him than us. Let us get rid of him so that the concentration, mashallah. Let us get rid of him so that the concentration can actually be more on us. And inshallah we may as well make mention of the motor vehicles that are distracting so that the concentration can also be more on the story inshallah. Here we have end papers that I have collected in my pockets. Inshallah I was thinking of actually putting them all in a hat and picking up the lucky one on the last day of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So here we have Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam. And a young boy, his brothers are jealous of him, they've planned to, to kill him. They planned really to eradicate him. Look at how, and this is what we've got to learn, the Prophet of Allah, Yaqub, Jacob, may peace be upon him, do you think he gave his children an upbringing that was anything less than perfect as a Prophet of Allah? No, he gave them the best upbringing. But still with that upbringing, how did shaitan seize the opportunity to create such hatred amongst brothers? It also teaches us a lesson, when we treat our children, let's treat them fairly. We are not in any ways implying that Yaqub did not treat his children fairly. He was a prophet, he could do what he did. But don't we understand that if the treatment of parents who were of a very higher level, 
of one of the children was seen by the others as favoritism to the degree that they planned his downfall. What about us who are not even prophets? When we have children, let us try to be fair. It is prohibited in Islam to favor children over others with no apparent reason at all. This doesn't mean that you are not allowed to have competitions among your children. Whoever reads the most, whoever achieves this, I'll give them a prize and so on. We are allowed to do that. But to favor them in a manner that, in a continuous manner that others become jealous. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the unity in our families. And may Allah make us exemplary parents inshallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the fact that one of the brothers got up, the oldest according to one of the narrations, and he felt pity for his young brother. It was a half-brother. He felt pity and he says, Look, if you want to get rid of him, don't kill him. In fact, the verse of the Quran, Do not kill Yusuf Rather, if you really want to, in kuntum if you really have to do something in order to distance him, then throw him into a pit. Probably and possibly someone will come and pick him up from there and at least he'll be far off from you. Now, the question we should ask ourselves, what were they trying to achieve? They were trying to achieve the downfall of their brother. They were trying to bring him down, not realizing that it was only through that action of theirs that Allah was lifting him up. Subhanallah. And had it not been for that action, he would have not have been where he was at the end. They wanted independence from him. They wanted to distance themselves from him because of something temporary that they had perceived in the wrong manner. They didn't understand. And they planned his downfall and his upliftment was planned by Allah within the planning of the brothers of his own downfall. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So let's not despair. When people plan our downfall as well, we've got a lesson to learn. Sometimes it is only through that planning that Allah will grant us a higher rank. Do we not see the light? Sometimes had it not been for people to adversely affect us or try to affect us adversely, we probably would never have risen as high as we have. May Allah grant us understanding. I know of several ulama who've actually written in their books, we should be like kites. Kites fly higher when the wind is obviously blowing against the kite. And when the wind is with the kite, the kite does not fly. So we should understand this, that whenever there is adversity, it does not necessarily mean that now the world has come to an end. No, sometimes Allah says in the Quran, Indeed, they plan and plot. And Allah plans, and Allah is the best of planners. Only what Allah has decided, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His plan will really come into action. Everyone else's planning will fizzle out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So one day they got up, they spoke to their father. They lied. Children of a Nabi lied to the Nabi. What does this mean? This means that with our children, no matter how much we love them, don't always believe every story they come with. They might come back after 
a day where they've caused lots of problems at school or madrasa, and they will come to us and say, you know, daddy, that person, this is what he did to me, and that's what he did to me, and the teacher beat me up, and it was for absolutely no reason. And the father nowadays rolls up his sleeves, mashallah, shows the biceps, he's been going to the gym every day, and he goes to the madrasa where the poor innocent maulana is sitting there, struggling all day to try and teach the children alif and ba, and he says, hey you, I'm going to fix you up. This is what's happening today. It's unfair. Children of the Nabi could lie to the Nabi. Do you think our children always tell us the truth? We are not saying that they always lie, but all we are saying is verify, authenticate. And remember one thing, this is just a benefit. Whenever our children have come with complaints about their teachers, whether it is a teacher at the school or in the madrasa, try always to play the game of parent of a child who's at the madrasa or school at the same time parent of a child within the home so you've got to play the game of telling the child okay we will deal with it but when you go to the school or the madrasa don't make a fool of yourself and i i must inform you that from my knowledge from what i know from my little experience almost all those parents who have created big commotion at madrasas because that child was probably slightly punished, maybe in a manner they didn't approve of. If that commotion resulted in the disgrace of that alim, the child is a failure. I have not seen any child succeed when the parent has gone and disgraced the ulama in public. Yes, if you've got a problem, we are not saying don't go and discuss it, but in private and do not disrespect the alim. They're doing you a favor. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly grant us upliftment. Sometimes we need to engage in tawbah for all our misdeeds in the past. May Allah accept them, accept the tawbah from us. So these people lie to their father. Oh, our father, you know, this son, mashallah, he's now growing up. We need to take him out. We need to go out racing with him. And we've got this planned and that planned. The father said, I fear that a wolf might eat him. I fear that a wolf might eat him. Look at this prophet of Allah. He uttered a statement, inspired by Allah, but the children thereafter used the statement of the father to fool him later on or to try to fool him with the same statement. You know, they took him for the race and there was no racing on that day. They raced to the well that they had planned. They put him in, they removed his shirt, they slaughtered a little animal, a rabbit according to one of the narrations or a small animal, and they put the blood of this particular little animal on the shirt and they ran back home. And they came crying, crocodile tears, mashallah, crocodile tears. And they says, oh our father, we went racing and do you know what happened? Exactly what you were fearing happened. Imagine the same plan that the father had spoken about, the father was fearing, that is what they said had happened. Now the father was very intelligent. And the father looked at the shirt and saw there was no sign of any attack. No sign of any attack of the animals. There's only stain in red. The father knew this is a plan. And he questioned his children, but they denied. And he questioned them more, but they denied. Until he says, I know from Allah that which you don't know. What did he know? He knew that this son of mine had seen a dream that had not yet come to pass. It has to come to pass someday. Allah has to raise him very, very high. Imagine the beginning of the journey to the highest of heights was in a pit. Did we ever think of that? Today, alhamdulillah, we have our journeys in our lives. 
we journey to success, that journey might commence in a pit. People are bankrupt. People might be poor, beggars, fixing shoes on the street. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides that the tables will turn for them, possibly that will result in them going higher and higher until one day they will sit back and smile. Their children would never believe what they were in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who can appreciate. And may He make us from amongst those who can train our children and not just give them everything on the plate to the degree that when we are not there, there is a big problem within the family because people have become lazy. They were used to hand, handouts and so on. So Yusuf alayhi salatu was was in the pit. The father had already made his statement. And now he as a young boy sitting there, a caravan passed. When the caravan passed, they released their bucket into this particular well thinking that water would come out and the bucket was very heavy they were extremely excited they rolled it up and they saw a young handsome boy who had a sparkle in his face very very innocent look immediately they screamed out ya bushra hadha ghulam oh goodness this is actually a little boy what came to their mind first we will sell him and we will make money out of this little boy Imagine lost property in the form of a human being. Let's go into our own lives now. When we find lost property, what do we do with it? I hope and I pray that the vast majority of us, in fact almost all of us, we could actually go out and hunt for the owners rather than just being the same type of people. If it's a wallet, how much is in there? Quickly look into it and pick out the money and say, yes, good, I wish I could have found another one. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. But inshallah, Muslims... We hope and we pray that we are not doing that. We need to be as honest, as honest as can be. Because we have to portray the beautiful message of peace that Islam teaches. We've got to portray that Islam is definitely what it is, the best religion. And if we are going to be exemplary, that is the only time that we will be able to attract people to Islam. Remember, all the masses that are out there, they are hungry for the truth. And we have it. We need to convey it in the best way possible. And remember, the, the only way to convey Islam is through peace. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all peace. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly bring peace to the entire globe. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us lessons and may He make us from amongst those who can take heed. So Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam, an innocent boy, they caught him, they took him to the market and they actually sold him. They sold him for next to nothing. Just a few coins. And he was bought by one of the leaders of Egypt at the time, as a worker in that particular person's house. And because he was very handsome, what had happened? Immediately he began to suffer problems. What was the problem? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our women folk. In no ways are we uttering statements against women. No. We are mentioning a point of history where there was a woman who was very, very evil. As soon as she saw this boy, meaning the wife of the man who had purchased this young boy, she thought evil, I'm going to lure this person to immorality, straight. And if he doesn't agree with what I have to make him do, then I'm going to disgrace him, blackmail him. I'm going to ensure that he suffers. And the cat and mouse relation began. That's what it was. Because Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, he picked it up immediately. He made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know what he said? When he was threatened with jail, 
There was a, a beautiful woman and she had high status, lots of wealth, everything she needed was there. The only thing she now wanted was a young handsome man. Illegally, illegitimately, illicit. And he made a dua. What was stopping him? Nothing was stopping him besides the fear of his creator. It's wrong. It is incorrect. He says, Ya Allah, it is better for me to be jailed. It is better for me to be jailed than to engage in, that, in this five minute, ten minute pleasure that she is asking for. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Really and truly that resulted in greater nur on the face of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has made mention that a person who lowers his gaze or a woman who lowers her gaze for the sake of her creator or in the case of a male for the sake of his creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will immediately cause nur upon that person's face in the dunya as well as in the akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us from that. So he achieved the pleasure of Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his dua. And this woman obviously, what had happened is, the story spread. Why did the story spread? Because one day the husband was coming home and he noticed this race. I told you, cat and mouse relationship. He noticed the race and he questioned it. And he said, what is going on here? So she blamed him. She blamed him. And obviously she as the wife would always be listened to more than a stranger. And what had happened is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala miraculously caused the child to speak. And the child bore witness saying, look at the shirt. Common sense would tell you, if it is torn from the front, then he is guilty. And if it is torn from the back, then she is guilty. Because he must have been running away and she was actually pulling the shirt. So it tore. And he saw the shirt was torn from the back. But he kept quiet. Most probably... He did not want to cause a problem between himself and his wife and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So, he kept quiet. It was a major issue. This woman was disgraced because obviously the guards and everyone who had seen it, the story spread in the society and community. And we know up to this day, stories spread like wildfire. Gossip spreads. Before it used to be only in the women, but nowadays the men have mastered it. In a much, much greater way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our menfolk from gossip. Imagine that's a dua we are now forced to make. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard the women folk as well. So, what had happened is, thereafter she gathered some of her friends and she told them, Look, I want to show you how beautiful this man is. And she gave them each an apple in their hands, according to one of the narrations, with a knife. And what, as soon as he, she ordered him to walk past... They did not even realize what they were doing and they cut their hands rather than the fruit. What do we learn from this? Something very, very important. We need to draw a lesson from it. Whenever we are or whenever anyone is engaged in even looking at the opposite sex incorrectly, there is a great chance that it will result in damage to one's health and even physical damage. There is a great chance. Take a look at AIDS that we have today. May Allah cure all those who have this disease. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly grant them spiritual elevation even in that condition. For it is never too late. But we know that it is something very serious. It is eating millions of people on a daily basis throughout the globe. 
Then let me give you another example. Typical. Driving a motor vehicle. Your eyes get to the wrong side of the road. For what? Because there is a person of the opposite sex, very attractive. What happens? Next thing, we knock into the car in front of us. Oh, big mistake. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. But we learn that this would happen. And obviously it would happen because it happened to those women who were looking at Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. They cut their own hands. I don't think any one of us would actually do that. Imagine how good looking this particular young boy must have been. And they commented, they say, in fact the Quran says that they said, ما هذا بشرا إن هذا إلا ملك كريم. This is not a human being. This is an angel. May Allah subhanahu wa taala protect us all. So, what had happened thereafter is, the plan was hatched to frame Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, and he was jailed. When he went into jail, he had. A few people that were there that he'd seen. As soon as they saw him, they picked up that this person is very knowledgeable. When he was jailed, he was not depressed. He knew that I'm going into jail as an innocent person. And this is a lesson for all of us. That at times those in jail, or let me word it slightly differently. Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam's case, what had happened? The law was guilty of finding an innocent man guilty. So the law was to blame. That can happen today as well. So we should understand that sometimes a person who is in jail, they may have been framed to be there. And if we happen to be there, don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Maybe there is a mission to be accomplished within that jail, just like the mission of Joseph, may peace be upon him. What did he do? He didn't lose hope, yet he did not even know how many years he was sentenced for. One of the narrations makes mention of the fact that he could have been there forever. But he sat in there and he began to speak. He spoke to his companions, they asked him questions, they asked him dreams. And he interpreted the dreams. But before he interpreted the dreams, he seized the opportunity. He seized the opportunity of da'wah. He seized the opportunity of calling them towards Islam. Teaching them something about the oneness of the Creator. Your Creator is one, supreme Creator. That is what he, he taught them. And he taught them that, they understood it, they... We are not told whether they actually accepted the message or not, but they understood it very, very well. Then he interpreted the dreams and later on they were released and uh, one was actually executed. Thereafter the king saw a dream. And when the king saw a dream, he was very, very concerned. This surah has mentioned quite a few dreams. And the interpretation of some of these dreams. The king saw seven cattle and seven lean cattle and then he saw some crops and so on, and the concern had got to everyone in the royal palace, because he had asked, who can interpret this? One day, one of those prisoners who was released, the one who was actually freed, and went into the palace, remembered that Yusuf alayhi salam, Joseph may peace be upon him, is in prison, and he knows how to interpret dreams. So he went there to Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. And Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam interpreted the dream saying you will have seven years of good crop, then seven years of drought wherein you shall eat only that which you have saved from the seven years where you had good crop. And thereafter the year will return to normal. So there was a prediction of seven years of drought. When the king was informed he beckoned, he called Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. But Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam decided to clear his name. He decided to clear his name which was tarnished because of the wife of that very person. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. From this we learn that if we are patient, Allah will give us the opportunity to clarify our name. People have accused us of something. Don't worry, don't stress, don't depress yourself. If the prophets of Allah only cleared their name sometimes ten years later, but Allah gave them such an opportunity that the world had to remain silent at the time in order to listen to what this man had to say. Because the next seven years or fourteen years depended on what this man had to say. Imagine, that is what Allah chose for a Nabi who was oppressed. Do you think Allah is not going to give us a chance to clarify and clear our names? Nay, He will, definitely. It's just a matter of time. Don't lose hope. Learn that at times silence is golden. When it is not the right time to say things, don't say anything. Keep quiet. Go ahead, let time pass. One day people will see who was right and who was wrong. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard all of us and may He make us from amongst those really and truly who do not spread rumor, who do not accuse others and may He always clarify our own position and names in a manner that we ourselves would probably never have imagined. So Yusuf alayhi salatu was was then appointed as the treasurer or the, the man in charge of the grain of the entire land and the granaries. And for seven years, mashallah, he planned ahead. He had a proper plan. People should come in and should put their excess and they would be paid for it into huge silos. And thereafter, when the next seven years came of drought, he had a plan of how to distribute the rations. Each person would come with a certain amount of wealth and so on. Those who couldn't afford it, it was slightly separate and different for them. And one day, no doubt, his brothers came in. His brothers came in. He was changed. He was a bearded man. They didn't even recognize him. But before we get to what happened when his brothers walked in, let me quickly make mention of a lesson we've got to extract from this. We always need to plan ahead. Every single one of us. The winner is the one who plans 20 years ahead. We should not plan in a manner that it distances us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always keep and bear in mind the fact within the equation that we may die at any given time if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. So we must plan far ahead but keep Allah in mind and plan. Obviously the biggest plan is to plan for Jannah, to plan for the Akhirah because ultimately nobody is going to miss the hereafter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the brothers came in. They looked at this man, they sought some uh, merchandise from him, they took the merchandise and he asked them, how many are you? Because he needed to compile the data for the records of the palace in order to know how much to give them and so on. And he says, listen, that other brother of yours, where is he? He's not here. And you need to bring him the next time you come. They uttered a comment saying, no, his father's too hard on him and so on. And he just looked at them and says, the next time if you don't bring him here, don't come. You won't get anything. He planned. He knew. They didn't even recognize him. Was there hatred in his heart? No, there wasn't. What do we have to learn from this? Sometimes with your own family members, there are misunderstandings. Never ever make a bad dua. Never ever make a dua against your own family members. For what? Rather make a good dua. Ya Allah, guide them. Ya Allah, soften the hearts. Bring my brother that I haven't been speaking to for 20 years. Bring him together. Soften his heart. Soften my heart, my sister, my brother, and so on. So everyone can come together. Rather than making dua, Ya Allah, destroy him. If Allah destroys him, that is your blood. 
So you will ultimately also be destroyed. And if that dua was not fit for him, remember it rebounds back to you according to one of the verses of the Quran. The bad planning, the, bla- the bad plot, if it is not deserving to the person, it obviously gets back to the one who planned it and the one who did it in the first place. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. So there was no hatred in the life of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. Then at some, some point when they went back home and they got back, uh, the next time they brought their brother. Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam spoke to his brother and told him, Oh my brother, listen, this is who I am. And now don't worry, I've hatched a plan to keep you here with me. So they played with the game. What was the game? The game was that the king was to put his cup, the gold cup, into one of the sacks or into the sack of that brother of his and he was to be found framed but framed for the right reasons inshallah so framed and he was to be found guilty and to be kept in order to serve the king's palace so that is exactly what happened and the brothers rolled up their sleeves and they were upset and uh, they really had promised their father that they would bring back this brother and so on all this we have so many lessons to learn from may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding The, the greatest lesson is When we plan someone else's downfall, our life will become a misery. Forever and ever. We will always be in problem. But really and truly, if someone has planned our misery, we will always have the last laugh and it will be the best. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Because if Allah has decided to give someone someone something, nobody can take that away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us and never prohibit us. So what had happened, and I am actually moving a little bit towards the end of the story, the matter became apparent. It became clear. And Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam asked his brothers. He told them, when he asked them, do you know what you have done to Yusuf? Because obviously the father had lost his sight in the process. And in fact, I have come across several articles on the internet and other research which proves that the sweat of man, the sweat of man would actually play a role in curing a certain type of cataract. I've actually read some large and huge research in that regard. And from this we learn from the story of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, when the father's sight was restored just by the sweat of his son on a shirt. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Remember the Quran is always correct. Maybe a hundred years from today they'll have a little eye drops that would probably just cure the cataract. May Allah save us. So... What we need to learn from this is, when Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam asked his brothers, he was in the position of authority. He did not disgrace them. He asked them a simple question. Do you know what you did to Joseph, to Yusuf alayhi salam and his brother? They knew that no one knew besides him. So this must be him. Is it that you are Yusuf? He says, yes, I am Yusuf and this is my brother. Indeed, Allah has blessed us. What did they say? They said, قَدْ آثَرَكَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا وَإِن كُنَّا لَخَاطِئِينَ Indeed, Allah has raised you very, very high above us. We have made a very, very big mistake. They were planning his downfall and it was because of that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him very, very high and thereafter he forgave them immediately and his father came back and alhamdulillah, 
They all gathered together in Egypt and he realized that particular dream that he had seen where his mother and father had come in and he, the 11 brothers had come in and they were bowing to him. Obviously that prostration was not the prostration that we would engage in today and it was at that time a prostration of respect which has been made prohibited in the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What we learn from this also is take a look at Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam's life. A difficulty of being removed from his own home, separated from his own parents, being dropped into the well, being picked up, being sold, being accused, being framed, being jailed. Almost seven difficulties in a row. He didn't blame Jadu like what we would do today. Really and truly. He knew that this is a plan of Allah, even if it's seven difficulties in a row. Sometimes we have a spate of bad luck, and we immediately we begin to look at our neighbors and we say, someone did something very bad here. And then the Maulana will come to you and say, one of your own family members has done this. Astaghfirullah. I'm sure we've all heard that statement, it is a lie. It is a huge fabrication. None of your family members have done anything. The reason why some of these ulama, unfortunately so-called people, say this is because every single extended home has to have one or two loose ends and one or two misunderstandings. So it's very easy to blame someone. The minute you say one of your own family members, you say, yes, my sister-in-law, yes, that's right. I agree, this is what's been happening. Well, I hope there's no one in the crowd who really has a sister-in-law they are doubting, because I am saying this just off the cuff. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Wallahi, this story is full, full of lessons. Today we've actually overshot. I normally feel very hurt when I overshoot the time, because I'm actually stealing somebody else's time from the broadcast. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all understanding. We may go into one or two more lessons tomorrow, and move on to the rest of the verses. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barakatuh. على نبينا محمد سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك